Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Sean Healy. I'm a clinical psychologist with Lawyers Concern for Lawyers in Massachusetts. And today I'm going to be talking to you about uh, a bunch of ideas for managing the stress involved in studying and taking the bar exam. So I will uh, tell you a little bit about Lawyers Concern for Lawyers in case you're not familiar. Uh, we are a lawyer's assistance program. We serve law students, lawyers, judges, and legal professionals in Massachusetts. Um, the way that we're funded is through a portion of bar dues that lawyers pay in the state. So when you become a Massachusetts lawyer, we'll be listed in the back of your bar card for uh, as a resource for you. Because we're funded that way, we are a free resource. We don't charge for any of our services. So you can access us for free. We're also a confidential resource. So uh, I just want to give you, uh, you know, a little bit of information about who we are. Not that you need to remember this now, because you have enough on your minds. Uh, so just keep it in the back of your mind as a helpful resource. It would be helpful in a, a variety of things. But I don't want to focus on giving you more information in that domain. What I prefer to do is spend our time talking about what you're in the middle of to your bar exam prep. So my um, one of my warnings that I always try to give in presentations like this is I'm going to cover a whole bunch of suggestions that may or may not be helpful. Um, my strong encouragement to you is not to feel like you need to do all of them, but to pay attention to any of them that stick out. That seem like, oh, that might be helpful, or I'm not doing that, or that might be an improvement for my well-being. Uh, and then just uh, start with that, see if it's helpful, perhaps build off of that. Uh, but if you sort of try to take in all this information as like a to-do list of everything you need to start doing, if you're not doing it, that will quickly become overwhelming and will add to your stress, which I'm not trying to do. I'm trying to, to relieve some of it, but we'll see how that goes. All right. So my warnings aside. Uh, so I'm going to cover different areas um, in terms of tools for being aware of your stress, some techniques that might be helpful. Um, but I want to just first start off with acknowledging that when you're in the midst of preparing for the bar exam, um, a lot of people in your life probably don't understand what that's like unless they have gone through it themselves. So it can be an isolating experience. Um, in situations like this, it can sometimes feel like you're sitting on the train tracks and you're watching a train approach you. And if people don't understand that, they might give you advice that feels like, oh, it's not it's not helpful, right? If If you're sitting on the train tracks and you're watching the train approach and people are saying, take a break, now just relax. You need to take care of yourself. It can feel like they're saying, you know, don't look at the train, right? It's barreling down at you, but just ignore it for a while. You know, it'll be good for you. It's really hard to do that, right? Because the train's coming. So I want to acknowledge the fact that it's hard to do this stuff when you're in a situation where it feels like the train's coming. So, um, but having said that, here are some things that could be helpful. One is to think about how you're thinking about the bar exam. How are you thinking about that train? 
So uh, one specific way of uh, looking at how you're thinking about things is your mindset, right? So uh, you you may have heard um, in recent years a lot of talk about the importance of having grit and a growth mindset. These two elements are uh, often associated with success. Uh, they're associated with resilience in both kids and adults. Success in terms of people who have grit and a growth mindset are able to sort of get over barriers. They're able to learn and adjust. They're able to accomplish things that others are not. And so it's helpful to, to improve your grit or your growth mindset if it's lacking or rely on it if you've already got it. So grit is really about like your determination. Like I'm going to, I'm going to stick to this. I'm not going to give up, right? I'm going to be determined with my goal. A growth mindset is all about thinking about your experiences and yourself as like each experience is an opportunity for me to learn and grow, right? I'm constantly growing. It is not the case that my brain or my intelligence is set. And therefore, I'm either qualified to do something or I'm not. That is a, a fixed mindset. Right? So if you think you're either smart or you're not, you can either be a good lawyer or you're not. I'm either cut out for this profession or I'm not. That's a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is every day that I'm studying or learning or practicing, I'm getting better at things. So am I a good lawyer now? Well, you're not a lawyer. But like, would I be a good lawyer today? Maybe not. Tomorrow, I would be a better lawyer, right? The next day after that, I would be a better lawyer. So a growth mindset is really helpful. Um, also, sort of looking at what you, uh, what you think about the bar exam itself can be helpful. So research shows that when people take a test that they think is measuring their intelligence, they do worse on the test. But if they get that same test, but they're told that it measures something else, right? they typically do better on that test. So what you expect from that test will impact how you do on it. So here's some misconceptions. The bar exam measures your intelligence. It does not, okay? Another misconception, the bar exam indicates your ability to be a good lawyer. It does not. Many people who have passed the bar exam and hence have become lawyers turn out not to be good lawyers. Many do turn out to be good lawyers, but passing the bar exam doesn't determine whether you're going to be a good lawyer or not. Because if it did, anyone who's a lawyer, by definition, would be a good lawyer. The reality is that it is a barrier to entry into the profession. Right? It's something that you have to accomplish or get over in order to enter the profession. A lot of professions have these barriers. And basically, it's a way of saying, like, if you want to practice in this profession, you have to, to prove yourself in some way. Right? You have to demonstrate some abilities in order to do this. So not just anybody can just decide to be a practicing attorney. Right? So if I'm I'm a clinical psychologist. If, if tomorrow I decided I want to be a lawyer, like I can't just become a lawyer, right? That's obvious. So it's a barrier. Also, it measures your ability to study and pass a comprehensive law exam, right? That's exactly what the bar exam does. So when we think about what it is and what it measures, 
and what it's not and what it doesn't measure, sometimes that can be very helpful in sort of thinking about it and also impacts how we feel and what we do. Uh, another area to, to, to focus on is your priorities, right? Setting healthy priorities for yourself, both in the midst of studying um, and also setting some priorities for when you're not studying. Uh, one idea to sort of recognize is that your intentions will only get you so far. It's really helpful to know what is needed for your situation. So what I mean by that is I could have the intention to, you know, memorize volumes of information. But what I actually need to learn and remember things isn't just like sitting down and reading nonstop for 10 hours a day. My intention might be I'm going to retain this. The reality is I don't retain it. And the reason is what I need, like the tools that I need and the structure that I need is different than just sitting there and trying to you know, retain volumes of information over a 10-hour period. Okay, So I'm going to get into... Uh, in a little bit, like understanding what works for you and what what you need, um, but it's it's really helpful to know that and not just mimic what other people do, right? So what works for one person might not work for you, and that's important. Also, uh, consider what what where are your expectations? Are they healthy and realistic expectations for yourself, for that process of studying, for taking the exam? Okay, so again. As an extreme example, if you expect yourself to be able to study for 10 hours straight without taking a break and maintain your focus, that is not realistic. Nobody does that. Okay, So if you're holding yourself to an expectation that is not realistic, you're not doing yourself any favors. That's not a motivator that often will feel like a weight. Okay, So having healthy expectations of yourself and, and that's connected to an awareness of what it is that is helpful to you and what you need. Um, that is much more preferred. Uh, another sort of general area to keep in mind is what you have direct control over. So oftentimes when we're in a stressful situation, again, going back to that idea of the trains coming down the track, if I try to control something that is clearly outside my control, my stress goes up. I don't feel better. I feel worse. But if I can identify what I directly have control over and I focus my attention and energy on that, I can actually make a difference. Okay. So one area that you have direct control over are your boundaries. A boundary is a demonstration of you saying no when you could say yes. You've probably had to do this a lot while you're studying for the bar exam. Family, friends, acquaintances wanting to spend time with you, inviting you to things that you've had to say no, or even boundaries with yourself. I, like in the summertime, I like to do X, Y, and Z. This summer, mm -mm, I can't do all those things. I need to focus and dedicate time just to preparing for the bar exam. So those, those, the exercise of setting some boundaries to protect your priorities, to protect yourself, uh, it's, it's crucial, right? So whenever we feel like I can't say no to something, then that will, again, increase our stress because we feel like in this important area of my life, I'm not 
in control. And we need to feel some level of control. So boundaries is a really good demonstration of that. So sometimes we will say no to things that we typically would say yes to, but we're going to say no for now. We're going to say, you know, I can't do that right now because I'm in the midst of bar prep. Um, it's important to realize when you're putting those things on hold and when you're going to take them off hold. Right? It's also important to realize the things that you are not going to put on hold. For example, you might put on hold some fun activities with friends that you like to do. What you should not put on hold is getting good sleep. All right, so temporarily saying no to friends and invitations might allow you to spend more time studying and feeling more prepared. Saying no to sleep actually has a direct impact on your ability to prepare and remember information. I'm going to get more into sleep in a bit. Um, so some of the things that are helpful in managing our stress are sort of preventative strategies. Um, just because they're preventative doesn't mean that you can't adjust them sort of halfway through uh, if it would be helpful. So again, sleep is super important. Right? Whenever we're feeling stressed and under pressure, it can be harder to relax and get good sleep. So it can feel like this uh, reinforcing cycle of I feel stressed out. I'm getting less sleep because I'm stressed. Now I'm feeling tired and stressed out, which makes it harder to to get good sleep. So it is challenging. I don't want to make it sound like it's an easy thing to just get better sleep. But if you're not getting good sleep, if you're not getting regular uninterrupted sleep every night, at least seven hours, um, then that might be a good area to focus on in terms of improving your, your stress management. When you get better sleep, the positive ripple effects go wide in the same way as when you get poor sleep, the negative ripple effects go wide. So your ability to concentrate is affected by sleep. Uh, your ability to remember what you're reading is affected by your sleep. Um, your logical thinking, your emotion regulation, your physical coordination, like all these things are affected by whether you're getting good sleep or not. So if you want to retain information, right? Uh, a very common situation is I'm, I need to study a lot. So I'm going to stay up later and later studying. I'm going to sacrifice some sleep in place of studying. But what happens is as my brain gets tired, my ability to retain and understand what I'm reading sharply descends. And therefore, I'm, I'm literally wasting my time trying to study when what would be much more efficient is to stop studying, prioritize sleep, feel some refreshment and rejuvenation from that sleep, and then with a recharged brain, get back at it. But we, we often feel like, oh, I, I don't have that luxury. I need to cram more into my brain. So you can just take my word for it that it's actually a much better scenario if you stop when you're tired prioritize sleep try to refresh your brain and then get back to it it's going to take less time when you're refreshed you're going to remember better um, your brain just functions a whole lot better when you're getting good sleep 
We have lots of tips on how to improve your sleep. Um, but very briefly, um, if you have a good routine, that goes a long way. So a consistent bedtime, a consistent relaxing routine leading up to bed, uh, reducing stimulation. So no screens in bed. Try to reserve your bed for sleep. Um, little things like that can go a long way. I'm happy to share more specific strategies to improve your sleep offline. Feel free to email me. Um, I can talk you here off too. Uh, another thing is exercise, right? So sometimes it feels like a luxury to take a break from uh, a busy study schedule to then exercise. But in terms of stress management, that's really helpful. When we're under stress, right? Again, back to that scenario of the train coming. When you're preparing for the bar exam, the stress doesn't feel like it's ending. It's like ongoing stress. So our bodies are charged up to deal with that stress. And our bodies and our brains don't know when to sort of shut it off because the stressor remains. So one way to sort of hack yourself, hack your brain, is to do some physical exercise because that is a discrete period of activity and your brain knows when it starts and when it stops. And it can make that shift to um, relaxation to not responding to the stressful situation. And it can help us regulate how our bodies respond. Another helpful thing that is often overlooked is just looking at what you use for fuel to, to sustain yourself. So if you're prioritizing uh, your schedule with you know, what I'm gonna be studying day to day for bar prep, which makes sense, Another element there is like, what am I going to be eating throughout the day to fuel my body and my brain? If you sort of integrate your, your diet and exercise plan into your bar prep plan, it can, it can feel like, oh, this is a, an essential element. I can schedule this in. If you don't, what often happens is my focus is totally on my studying. I neglect my other needs. So I'm often dehydrated. I'm often uh, not using healthy fuel for my brain and my body. So I'm using things that are convenient and quick that I can just grab, shove in my face and like keep going. And so that's typically what does the unhealthier stuff, which has like spikes of sugar and caffeine, which that's not how our brains work best. So just being intentional about what fuel you're using, uh, it a day can make a big difference. It's also an example of something you can control. You can control you know, your choices in terms of food, exercise, your schedule. And when we're feeling stressed out, the more that we feel like, all right, at least I can control these things, we can start to feel more resilient in the midst of that stress. Another technique that can be done anywhere, anytime is deep breathing. You're breathing anyway, hopefully. So taking advantage of an intentional breathing exercise can be really helpful. Deep breathing is just diaphragmatic breathing. It is the way that we breathe when we're relaxed. Okay, when we're stressed out, what happens is we breathe rapidly and shallow. All right, and that is both a response to stress and also sends messages to our brains that we're stressed. Right, so it's both a response and a messenger. When we decide to consciously slow the rate of our breath, to breathe deeply and slowly, so to take a slow inhale through your nose, 
hold it for a, a second or two, and a slow exhale through your mouth. That's just a basic way of doing some deep breathing. And you do that repeatedly a couple of times. As you're doing that, one, you're going to start to feel physically different. I often feel some like tingling or like just relaxed a little bit. The other thing it does is that will be a messenger to your brain. And your brain interprets that message as this is not how I breathe when I'm stressed. I do not breathe this way when I'm sitting on the train tracks watching a train approach. Okay. This is how I breathe when I'm relaxed, when I feel peace, when I feel confident, when I'm not afraid. So by consciously slowing your breath, you can send that message to your brain and you start to feel, after a while, you start to feel relaxed and peaceful and more confident. Okay? So that if you do this on a regular basis, your brain will actually start to reinterpret the situation that you're in. So for example, if, if you always study in the law library, just so that it's convenient, this is my routine, and then you realize that every time I go and I enter the law library, I, my stress goes up because my brain knows what I'm going to do. Right? And suddenly the environment becomes a source of stress. If you practice something like deep breathing as you're walking in, your brain will start to reinterpret that environment because you feel differently. You feel more in control going into it. So deep breathing is really helpful. You can do it anytime, anywhere. I highly encourage the continued breathing that you do. Another um, basic yet um, not simple, but basic technique is mindfulness. Right? This is really tapping into our awareness of the present moment. When we talk about mindfulness, there's uh, lots of ways of being mindful, but really the, one of the most basic ways of, of packaging it is drawing your attention to the present moment, right? being aware of what is it that I'm feeling? What am I thinking? What are my emotions? What am I physically feeling? What do I need right here, right now? What often happens is because we're busy, stressed out people, our brains spend more time, our attention spends more time thinking about the future. What's coming? What am I preparing for? What's next? All right, so anxiety lives in the future. It requires your imagination because it hasn't happened yet. So you have to imagine it. And that's when anxiety can, can get quite large is when you're spending too much time thinking about the future. In the past, that's where regret lives. I can't, I can't do anything about that. I have regrets. But in the present moment, you can't feel anxiety. You might not like what's happening in the present moment, but it's not anxiety. In the present moment, it doesn't require your imagination. It just requires you noticing and observing what's happening. So a couple things uh, occur when you're practicing mindfulness. One, you take a break from anxiety. You take a break from regret. The other thing is you increase your awareness of what you need in the moment. And then by extension, you have options for what to do. So if I am not mindful, if I go through my entire day, and I haven't been paying attention to what I need. At the end of my day, as I look back, one, I might be really hungry and irritated because I forgot to eat. I wasn't paying attention to my needs. Um, I'm also not aware of like what impacted my, my level of encouragement or optimism. What was discouraging, right? Like that, 
that range of emotion that I ex experienced throughout the day, I don't really have a good sense of what happened and what I could have done about it. But if I'm practicing mindfulness, and I'm checking in with myself, I'll notice things as they occur or soon after, and I'll be aware of what I could do about those things. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's something concrete that I have control over. So the more awareness you have, the more equipped you are to do something about it. So mindfulness is a great way to achieve that awareness. Another thing that is a great preventative um, strategy, but also, you know, in the moment is your social supports. All right. So how connected do you feel to other people? As I mentioned, oftentimes studying for the bar exam can be isolating, particularly if your friends and family who haven't gone through it don't understand what it's like and don't understand like why you're spending so much time doing this. So if you're feeling isolated, like I'm studying home by myself, I'm not, you know, I'm saying no to friends and, and family, uh, that's important to pay attention to. So to the best of your ability, try not to isolate. Whether that's taking breaks and having some connection with other people, whether it's studying with other bar preppers, like do what you can not to do it alone. The other thing is to, to talk about others who actually know what it's like to study and take a bar exam. So talk to other bar preppers right now. Talk to people who have gone through the bar exam experience recently. Just to, to make those connections that feel like, like other people understand what I'm going through and I can just vent to them. I don't have to explain what this is all about. They get it. And the other thing is, I mentioned taking some breaks and doing other things. That's really helpful too. Even though it might feel like my time and opportunity for breaks is much limited, much more limited now than typically because I'm trying to do all this work. That's understandable. Uh, it's also helpful not to just eliminate them altogether. So think about what activities to prioritize in terms of, you know, what is refreshing to you? What is life giving to you? Because one way to think about your time preparing for the bar exam is like, uh, think of yourself as your bank account or a bank account, right? And each moment or hour you're spending preparing for the bar exam, you are spending what's in your account. And you need to refresh your account. So what refreshes your account? Sleep, activities, right? social connections and support, hobbies. So think about what you're going to get the biggest return from because you have to invest time in sleeping. You're going to have to invest time in spending uh, time with friends and, and hobbies. So think about what's going to give you the biggest return right now because you need that replenishment of your account. If you don't, you're just going to drain it. And then when bar exam day comes, you're going to feel drained. And you don't want to take a bar exam when you're completely drained. You want to feel like you're sort of putting back in. You're refreshing your account. So, so you have something left for the bar exam itself. And then uh, another uh, strategy are in vivo strategies. right? So you got your preventative strategies, which again, you can do in the moment as well. But in vivo is like in the moment, right? So whether that is while you're studying, whether that is while you're taking the bar exam, in the moment when you're noticing something, there are things that you can do um, immediately. So I mentioned sort of our, our brain and body's responses to stress. So just to sort of put that in more clinical terms, 
um, we have what's known as the fight, flight, or freeze syndrome. And this is when our, our brains react to a threat. All right, this is the sympathetic nervous system. It charges us up, gets us ready to fight a threat, to run away, or to freeze until the threat passes. So this is these are survival strategies. Okay, so it's really helpful that our sympathetic nervous system charges us up to get ready for a threat. Um, if we don't uh, have an end to the stress, then our sympathetic nervous system is on too long. And there are negative consequences to that. Okay. The flip side of that coin is the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the, the process that slows us down. It reduces our heart rate, our blood pressure. It relaxes us. This is the system that's involved in digestion, sleep, um, and your immune system. So... If the parasympathetic nervous system is not activated, then what you suffer, you suffer sleep effects, your digestion and your immune system suffer. So in those situations where stress is ongoing and our brains don't know when to make that switch over, what often happens is eventually you're going to start to feel physically broken down. A lot of people get sick, like right after finals or right after a bar exam they realize that their sympathetic nervous system was overactivated and and they didn't regularly make that switch to the parasympathetic nervous system because the threat was always on their mind so knowing this like the things that you can do to help your brain make that switch is is key in terms of getting that that replenishment of your account right so helping yourself get better sleep digestion, improving your digestion and having a strong immune system requires your brain being able to make that switch to the parasympathetic nervous system. So again, doing some discrete exercise can be a nice brain hack to sort of help yourself make that switch. Uh, but just be aware of what happens when it's always on your mind. If the stress is always on your mind and you, and you don't feel like you can take a break from it mentally, that's, that has a physical effect as well. Um, so also another in vivo technique is sort of being aware. Right? So taking that awareness through mindfulness and being aware or in tune with how your environment affects you and also how your internal state affects you. So again, when we exercise healthy control, both internally and in our environment, we start to feel more resilient. We start to feel more in control. We start to feel more capable. So there are two main areas there, internally and externally, are important to, to assess. So I've been talking about internal stuff, right? So being aware of your breath, right? Being aware of your sympathetic nervous system activation, Right? Am I able to switch and relax? Am I able to get good sleep? Right, Those things are all internal. It's really helpful to be in tune with that. Also, how does your external environment affect you? So thinking about things like, uh, where am I studying? Right. Um, in terms of your sleep, like, where am I sleeping? What is my sleep environment like? Oftentimes, we, we focus a lot on improving our sleep through routines, which is essential. But sometimes we neglect 
the environmental factors like you know is my mattress comfortable is the temperature in my room comfortable is the noise level in my room ideal for me sleeping right these things can be really helpful as well to be aware of and then the extent that you have control over them exercising that control um in terms of like knowing how your environment affects you if you for example you're in a, a comfortable environment studying for the bar exam it's like this is where i study best it's quiet um it's comfortable right this is how i'm, I'm focusing best but where i'm going to take the bar exam is not like this where i'm going to take the bar exam might be a big room lots of people clatter from you know typing um uncomfortable seat maybe so just try to be aware of what that environment might be like for you and if it feels like that environment is the opposite of what works for you what you might want to do is try to get yourself a little more comfortable with an environment like that so studying in a comfortable environment is great but also interspersing that with studying in an environment that is more similar to where you're going to be taking the bar exam just so that when you get to that environment on bar exam day it doesn't feel like a shock to your system it feels like oh i know this environment i have practiced some in this environment this is somewhat familiar to me it's not a surprise so that's another way of sort of using your awareness in your environment recognizing what you don't have control over which is you know the environment of the bar exam but exercising control in that i can get myself used to that environment a little bit by practicing and studying in a similar environment so then you feel like i can't control the environment but i can control how i prepare myself for the environment all right so i've been mentioning resilience um off and on either directly or, or indirectly um so we feel more resilient, more in control when, uh, as a slide suggests, when we're when we feel like we're in the driver's seat. One of the things that increases our stress a lot is when we're trying to be in the driver's seat of a car that we don't actually control. All right, so your awareness is key. Right, when I'm aware of what I have control over. When I'm aware of you know these things that I don't have control over, but maybe I have awareness of what I can do in response to those things, that awareness will help me feel like I have more options, like I have some more control. So that awareness, again, I'm going to keep saying the importance of awareness, um, that will actually equip you to identify where you have options. And then practicing will actually lead to re the results. So I mentioned the bar exam environment where it might be very different than where you're best, uh, where you find yourself studying the best, right? What's more, most comfortable and uh, conducive to your studying style. So, but you know that you need to perform in that environment eventually. So practicing both the material, but also practicing performance in a similar experience or environment will actually lead to the results All right so just being aware of it that's one thing like i'm aware that i'm going to take the bar exam not in my apartment so that awareness is good but then the practice is needed as well so that awareness won't 
just magically prepare me for that experience, but it'll help me identify options for how I can prepare and practice for that experience. All right, so some specific ways where practice is helpful. One is changing old associations. So um, when, we, when, I, when I say associations, um, we have uh, associations where our brains sort of pair two things together, right? If you think back to Psych 101 in undergrad, uh, Pavlov, who studied dogs, um, he would uh, train dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell because he paired like a meat powder with a bit the sound of a bell. So basically what happened was, you know, he'd ring a bell and immediately give the dogs food. And the dogs start to associate the two things together. Like, oh, the bell means I'm going to eat. So after a while, he just rang the bell and the dog salivated, which is not a natural response. It is a learned response. So when we're aware of what our learned responses are, we can change them in the, using the same process. So, for example, if I have learned that studying for the bar exam stresses me out, right? Every time I open the book or my laptop or the bar prep program, like I start to notice that I'm feeling anxious, right? I have now developed this association between that activity and feeling anxious, but I want to change that association. So what I can do is I can start to pair something else that naturally makes me feel relaxed or calm or positive or happy with the thing that once caused me to feel anxious. And I understand it's easier said than done and it takes time. But for example, if each time I, I tried to sit down and study, I just felt like, oh, this tension and stress. But every time that I listen to like my favorite music, that's when I can take a breath. It's like, ah, oh, this feels good. If I start to pair that music in the background with studying, hopefully what happens is over time, I get to benefit from my natural response from the music while I'm studying. And so I'm starting to change that association between studying and stress. Again, it's, it's a little more complicated than that, but ba that's the basic idea. Okay. Another way of looking at those associations is instead of changing them, repurposing existing associations. All right. So for example, um, if I'm starting to, uh, if a particular area of law, uh, I feel like really anxious about like I don't feel prepared at all. And every time I start to study this, like I notice, you know, my heart pounding, you know, I'm feeling tense, recognizing that Oh, that response, that internal response could be used for something else, right? So for example, like where else is that physical response helpful? So if it's, you know, my heart's pounding, I'm feeling tense, right? Uh, maybe I'm starting to sweat. Oh, that is a response that is helpful when I'm exercising, right? My body's charged up and that is useful when I'm exercising. It's not useful when I'm studying. So maybe what I do is I recognize that response. I take a break and I go exercise a little bit. I actually burn off some energy. I use that natural response that I'm having for some other purpose. I'm repurposing it. And then I come back to studying later. Right? Sometimes that can be really helpful in sort of disrupting those patterns. 
and then creating new associations, right? So for example, if you have no association between, you know, studying in a, or sitting in a big auditorium with clacking keyboards and, and lots of people around you, it's like, well, I haven't been there yet. I don't, I don't have any association with that. Maybe start to create a new association with that. If you have access to a similar environment, right? If you have friends who are willing to, to help you out there, sit next to you and clack away in a big room, um, maybe start to uh, create a new association in that environment by introducing yourself to something pleasant or something that makes you feel confident while sitting in that environment. So again, easier said than done, but those are just some basic ideas of how to recognize associations that we already have, how to repurpose them, how to create new ones. Uh, another sort of area that is helpful in terms of your awareness is just, I mentioned this earlier, is like what actually helps you? What helps other people is great. Um, knowing what helps other people can be helpful because that can help you identify options that maybe you didn't realize were options. But you shouldn't just take what works for somebody else and mimic it yourself because it might not work for you. Obviously, bar exam prep courses are sort of designed on that idea that what works for most people is a good thing to package and encourage other people to do in terms of like, you know, what's the probability of this working? Well, it's, you know, it's high because it worked for a lot of people. doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So it's helpful to know what does work for you. So two basic areas there are when you want to relax, what is helpful to you? So to engage that parasympathetic nervous system, what's helpful for you? And, and be as sort of concrete and specific as you can. Like it's helpful for me to put on slippers because every time I put on my slippers, that's an indication to me that I'm, I'm changing modes, I'm relaxing, I'm moving away from studying or working, right? Being aware of little things like that can be helpful. Um, spending time with a particular friend, right? Whatever it is, I try to be quite egocentric and like uh, assessing what is going to work for you that might be very different than what works for other people. Uh, in the same way, the opposite can be helpful. What helps to ramp you up, right? So if you are feeling burnt out by studying, it's like another day of studying. Like I don't have energy for this. It's the last thing I want to do, right? It's not that my sympathetic nervous system is charged up too much. It's like I'm feeling no fuel. I'm feeling burnt out. So obviously those uh, preventative techniques can be helpful in terms of, you know, replenishing that account. But in the moment, like what helps you get ramped up? All right. So uh, I used music already, but I'll use it again. Um, if there's like music that sort of gets you pumped up, like your theme song, you're like, oh, yes, I feel excited and pumped up when I hear this. All right. Like. How can you integrate that into your morning routine right before you're starting to study when it feels like I need to be ramped up? All right. And then a different category is sort of like looking at your, your practical strategies or your practices. All right. And again, with the eye towards what works for you is really helpful. You know, what works for other people might be different. So one is your physical environment. Like, where are you spending your time studying? And this is a, an extreme version of a 
you know, messy office. I'm sure it was actual, actually somebody's office, but if you're in an environment, either physically or digitally, where there's a lot of chaos, what you're actually doing is you're telling your brain to waste energy, scanning your physical environment, looking for threats and priorities. If you're in an environment where it's very clear, this is the threat, this is the priority, your brain doesn't waste time looking elsewhere. It's like, okay, and now I know. All right. So, for example, something, one of the reasons why uh, a lot of bar prep uh, programs are very structured is like it does that work for you, right? Like today, this is what you're doing. You don't wake up in the morning saying, oh, here's 20 subjects. Which one shall I study today? Right. Having a schedule helps you remove some stress because you don't have to make a decision in the moment. In the same way that your environment, if it's clear and organized or simplified, your brain doesn't have to scan that environment and make decisions about what to do. So as much as you can, try to simplify your environment, make it easier for your brain. Um, also, going back to the idea of knowing what works for you, what motivates you, right? What encourages you? What distracts you, right? For some people, trying to study in complete silence works for them. For other people, like they need some ambient noise to help them focus on something else. So some people like do really well in a, in a cafe because like the ambient noise just helps them tune out other things and then they can focus. Whereas somebody else, that ambient noise just grabs their attention. It's like, oh, I, I can't focus because my attention is going elsewhere. So just pay attention to that. Also be, you know, be paying attention to changes. So what used to work for you studying, let's say an undergrad, maybe you had a routine uh, that worked for you, but now doesn't work for you. So pay attention to that. Don't try to force yourself into a routine that used to work for you. Instead, think about what might work better for you now for this situation and try to sort of adjust in that direction. Another thing to pay attention to is how you respond to discomfort generally, right? So if your general response to discomfort is uh, avoidance, Right? That's good to know because you're likely to start avoiding things that are more discomforting. So an area of law that you don't like or is, is more difficult for you, you might be avoiding that. If your response to discomfort is to attack, that's also helpful to know. So, you know, I don't like this area of law. My response to it is I'm going to read more about it so it's not as threatening as it used to feel. So we do both. Right? We have multiple responses to discomfort, and it's often situation-based. So just be aware of that, and then you can be more informed about what to do when you're feeling that discomfort. And if you know that you have the ability to both attack and avoid, or different strategies in between, then you're going to recognize options, as opposed to feeling like, this is just my natural response, and I can't do anything about it. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, no how you study or learn best, whether that's by yourself, with other people. Um, most of us, uh, we, we often talk about like, oh, I'm a visual learner or I'm a, you know, experiential learner. The reality is we're all of those things that we learn through 
visual information, auditory information, reading, doing, touching. So, so you're not just going to be one type of learner. You might have a preferred mode of learning. That's good to be aware of. So the, the more that you're aware of how you take in information best, that's going to equip you to make those decisions that you need to sort of increase your chances of um, doing that better. Uh, another thing that I often recommend people do is try not to multitask. It is not a thing. Um, when I say that, what I mean is you cannot focus your attention on more than one thing at a time. You can be aware of multiple things. You can actually do multiple things that don't require your direct attention. So I can walk and talk at the same time. Those are two different areas of my brain. Um, but if I want to pay attention to something while doing something else and paying attention to that, I can't do that. I can switch my attention, but I can't do that attention simultaneously. So for example, I can, I can wash dishes and listen to a podcast at the same time because I can do back and forth, right? Or I can do some automatic stuff with washing dishes. I can't listen to two podcasts at the same time because I can't pay attention to two conversations, all right? So whenever we try to feel like I'm, I need to do more than one thing at the same time, we're actually much less efficient, right? What we end up doing is task switching back and forth, back and forth, which is not the most efficient. So to the best of your ability, try not to multitask. So while you're studying, don't have your email open, right? Don't be responding to texts or phone calls. Try to schedule time. That's just, I'm just doing one thing during this block of time. And I schedule a different block of time after that, maybe a smaller time to text people, to check email, so forth and so on. So the more that you can focus your attention on one thing, you'll be much more efficient. Also reducing distractions. Back to that idea of knowing your environment, how it affects you. So, you know, what's distracting in your environment? Do you have control over changing those distractions? If you don't have direct control over the, uh, the distraction itself, do you have control over some way of responding to that distraction? So, for example, if I, if I do best in a quiet environment, but I live right next to a busy road, I, I can't control traffic. But maybe what I can control is a white noise machine that gives me some white noise, that ambient noise that distracts or, or drowns out the other noise outside. So maybe I, I have control over that. Um, in addition to distractions, like taming those tasks. Um, again, a bar prep program is sort of designed to do this, to break down tasks into chunks. But if you're not using a bar prep program or if it's not uh, something within that program, uh, try to do the same thing. As you break down tasks, it's easier to accomplish them. If we think about something as like, oh, it's such a big thing to do. I need to suddenly learn real estate law and I hadn't really focused on that. That's such a big task. I feel overwhelmed. But if I break it down, actually all I need to do is read the first page. Like, okay, I can do that. All right. Because that's, that's how we do everything. We break it down. So whenever anything feels overwhelming, right, try to take a step back. Try to spend some time breaking it down, right? So envision that mountain, like, oh, well, here are the steps I'm going to take. I don't need to take all of them at once. Nobody does that, okay? Um, in terms of, uh, this is not a dietary recommendation. Uh, this is a procrastination technique. 
or an anti-procrastination technique. So eat the frog is a technique. Um, uh, the actual quote comes from apparently Mark Twain, who said, if it's your job to eat a frog every day, you should eat it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs every day, you should eat the biggest frog first. The idea here is when we procrastinate, when we avoid things that are uncomfortable, what we likely do is we push off the thing that is uncomfortable and we start with the things that are more comfortable. But by the time we get to that uncomfortable task, we've used up most of our energy and therefore we're more likely to push that uncomfortable task down the road. To reverse that process is what Eat the Frog is all about. To take the most uncomfortable thing on your to-do list and do it first thing in the morning when you have the most energy and most focus. And everything else after that seems easier. You're like, oh, now you have momentum. So it's uh, often a, a helpful technique. And then finally, um, as I'm running out of time, um, taking breaks is really helpful. And I will, I'll break that down a little bit more. It's not just taking a break from doing work and like doing something else, right? It's, that is helpful. But when you take predicted, predictable breaks, that's really helpful. And the reason that's helpful is when we are under strain, discomfort, when we're, when we're experiencing pain, if we know when the pain will end, our pain tolerance goes up. So if I know that I need to focus and do this uncomfortable studying for an hour, but after the hour, I'm going to take a break. This pain is going to be over. I'm going to be able to do something else. Suddenly, my ability to focus goes up. My pain tolerance goes up. My brain works better. For, in comparison, if I just say, I'm going to study this chapter, this, this subject, until I understand it, you know, however long that takes, what happens is our brains don't know how to allocate resources with an undisclosed time frame, right? If I don't know when it's going to end, I don't know how much energy I need to, to spend now versus later, okay? The example I often use is if you're running... Uh, a, a road race. If I say, "Oh, you're going to run a 5K," right? Your your brain understands if you know what 5K is. Your brain understands, "Oh, that's a distance you know that I'm used to," or you know, I can I can look at the mile markers or the kilometer markers and like, okay, you know, I, I can allocate my resources. It's not a sprint, right? But if I just said, "I want you to run," and you said, "How long?" I said, "I'm not going to tell you. I'll eventually tell you to stop running." Right? Your brain and your body's ability to maintain that pace is much more difficult because you don't know what you need for the entire race. You don't know how to allocate your resources. It's the same with your mental work, mental strain and focus. If I don't know how long it's going to take for me to do this work, then I don't know how much energy I need. But if I know I'm working for this amount of time and then I'm taking a break and I'm using it in terms of you know blocks of time, I'm able to focus better. I'm able to maintain or, or um, I'm able to, to deal with that discomfort better. I'm able to focus better. So breaks is one thing, but also being predictable in terms of your schedule and chunking your time out is really helpful. So, all right, I've thrown a whole bunch of things at you. 
hopefully it hasn't increased your stress too much. Hopefully some of it, at least a couple of things in there might be helpful to you. Um, if you have any questions, I don't know if there's any questions yet, but um, my strong encouragement to you, one, it's just to recognize what you're going through is it's very stressful. Have have some compassion for yourself. Have some realistic expectations that it's not going to go perfectly. It never does. Um, but also to to prioritize taking care of yourself and and getting replenished as you're doing this. Because what you really don't want to do is, you know, I feel completely drained through this whole process. I finally get to the bar exam and I am out of fuel completely. Right? You need to, that replenishment. So. Good luck to you all. Um, here's my information. If I can be helpful in clarifying anything or giving you more information or specific tips uh, that would be helpful, please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to, to provide what I'm able to. And thank you, Sean, and thank you to our participants. Have a nice day. Thank you.